Welcome to the Cool Girls Only podcast, where we talk about the excitement and uncertainty of navigating our 20s. I'm Jordan. And I'm Maddie. A cool girl is on a journey to becoming her best self, and we're here to share our thoughts and learnings every Friday with you. Welcome to Cool Girls Only. Hello, hello. Happy Friday, cool girls. We're back. Ooh, it's Friday. How are you? I'm really good. I just started reading The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, and it's like changing my life. So, ooh, I have not heard of this book. You, I got this book from you. Wait, what is it? <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, that was just so funny because when I you don't moved, think you, you gave did. me a pile of books, and this oh. was in the pile. Okay, yeah, maybe that was one of Joe's books. <laughs> okay, maybe it was. That was just so funny because I'm like, it's like, you wait, gave this to me. <laughs> wow, what's it yeah. about? <laughs> it's like whatever. I think it says the timeless art of turning trials into triumph, but it's really about like the struggles you go through and how to use that to your advantage. And I don't know, he's very intense, but I'm liking him a lot right now. He has a couple skinny confidential episodes actually that are really good. Oh, Nice. Yeah. I would definitely recommend those because honestly, this is just me, but I feel like the skinny confidential lately is just a marketing ploy with so many of these guests. I just don't feel like the conversations are as good as they used to be. I haven't really been resonating with the recent episodes. Like I find myself going back to like episodes. I really like, like today I went to the grocery store and I was listening to that one about gut health. It was with the one Mm -hmm. guy who like recommended the internal shower, like Dr. Daryl. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. And like, yeah, I feel like the health ones are really like my go-to episodes just because they have such good guests in that sense. But like the other ones that are, I just don't like resonate with them, I guess, but Hey, it's, I guess not every episode is for me. That's true. That's true. And I think like, I'm really into the toast right now. So if I want pop culture stuff, I'll listen to the toast. But when I listen to the skinny confidential, I'm like, I want health or self-help or development. Like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you kind of need different podcasts for different moods. Like, Mm, yeah. Let us know what kind of mood you're in when you're listening to our our podcast. We want to know like what and what episodes speak to you versus what ones don't. Because I mean, for example, today we know like the finance episodes aren't for everyone, but it's just something we're like so into and interested in. And like, we like having conversations about. So like we'll sprinkle one in here and there. (laughs) Speaking of the toast though, I was listening and uh, Claudia inspired me. I haven't gone yet, but I am 100% buying a mega millions ticket. Not sure if this is the episode to be talking about that on because it's not really the <laughs> best use of my money, but a chance at winning a billion. Like why not? Yeah. It's, it's like over a billion dollars right now. It's crazy. Like I don't play the lottery. I don't remember the last time I bought a lottery ticket, but Hey, I think I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Like why not? You do you. And then read the psychology of money after. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. I'm like, oh my God, the worst episode to bring that up on. But honestly, like, so this comes out on Friday. That's when we find out, I think, the drawings on Friday. So I could be a billionaire, guys. TBD. Stay tuned. When this episode is out, (laughs) I could be a billionaire. I will let you know. So I guess we can just get into our recs. Do you have a rec for this episode? 
Honestly, no. I recommend reading this book. I think it's bomb. Yeah, it's such a good book. I actually do have a rec. It's more of like a strategy. And Jordan and I have been like talking in the past few months of just like how insane our spending habits have been. And like, we just cannot control ourselves. So one thing that has actually worked for me is I have, I increased my 401k contribution. So tip to you guys, if you cannot control yourself and like really need to just take a break from spending, honestly, just like increase your 401k contribution. It doesn't have to be for like the whole year. You can adjust it as many, like anytime you want just for the next few paychecks and like, see how it changes your spending habits. That's what I did. And honestly, it's helped. Like I've kind of stopped spending money on stupid shit. Uh, just because a good amount of money is from my paycheck is going to my 401k. So I'm not like seeing it. So I don't know. That's kind of a last resort. If you can't handle yourself, just do it. Um, but it's really worked for me. Yeah. I have stopped eating out. Honestly, I've eaten out, I think twice in the last two months, which is pretty crazy for me. Yeah. I would say usually eat out like Maybe once a week, but yeah. like I'll get takeout maybe once every two weeks, but actually going to a restaurant, sitting down, paying for a meal, a drink, a tip, all those things that come with sitting down and eating a meal, like at a restaurant, mm-hmm. we, we just like, haven't gone out lately because my spending has been so out of whack. Like <laughs> I have admittedly been like, I'm living above my means and but I honestly, rein it in. like in the summer too, like, I just feel like spending shifts. Like you don't, I feel like you're, you're not doing as much in the beginning of the year it's winter and then summer hits and like everything just goes out the window. Like, I don't know what happens, but yeah, that's, that's amazing that you've only gone out a few times. Yeah. We're really trying to cook more meals at home, trying to be more creative, but then it's also like, if I'm being honest, our spending on groceries has gone up significantly because we're cooking more at home and we're trying to cook creative things. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to eat scrambled eggs every meal. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to (laughs) broaden my horizons a bit and yeah, it's expensive. And also, um, I don't know if I talk about it in this episode. I don't think I do, but we started going to like a butcher for all of our meat Mm. and it's amazing because the, yeah, the meat is so quality. And like, we really are getting better food in our bodies, but it is so expensive. Meat is so expensive. Like we were, that's a good idea. I need to find like a butcher around here because I just like, don't know where to get meat. We've done like, we did butcher box for like a few times, but that is also so expensive. I mean, I guess when you kind of break it down based on how much you're getting, it's a pretty good deal, but I feel like we just go through it so fast. So it's like, can't be spending $200 every two weeks, like on meat. So that makes me want to kind of cut back on meat too, a little, like not every single dinner. I want to have meat. Like I want to have like a few vegetarian meals through the week. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper to not include meat in your meals, but I agree. It's, I'm not a vegetarian. I will never be a vegetarian. I don't think, um, but it is so, it's just so expensive. I mean, if you think about substituting chicken for like chickpeas or beans or another like high protein 
legume or whatever you like (laughs) save so much money honestly if I could I would be vegetarian but tbd all right well we've kind of gone all over the place in this intro I hope you guys have an amazing Friday amazing weekend and we will get into today's episode here finally we've been like saying we're gonna do this for a very long time um but we're here with a psychology of money book club very so exciting (laughs) so exciting and yeah we were just chatting and um I think one thing to note is you definitely do not have to read this book to follow along with these takeaways these are just like our takeaways and things that can really be related to, um, dealing with finances and money in your twenties. I mean, not even just in your twenties and like life in general, but I think these are just really, really good takeaways and you do not need to read the book to follow along. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. So how we kind of did it is we kind of just pulled from different chapters. So it's broken up by a bunch of different topics in the book. So we kind of just pulled some that like really resonated with us. And the first chapter of course is titled nobody's, (laughs) nobody's crazy. Um, so we can kind of talk about this and like what it means to us and why, why it's important to really remember that nobody's crazy. Yeah. I feel like this. So originally I heard you talk about this book forever. I knew you were a fan and I was like, okay, I need to read this. Maddie's obsessed. Um, and I absolutely loved this like first section, the topic of nobody's crazy, because I feel like a lot of us have these preconceived notions about money and how you spend money and save money. But really a lot of it is based on our upbringing. Um, and it sounds so simple, like when I say it out loud, but for some reason, like reading this chapter from him, nobody's crazy was like, okay, shit, the way that I think and talk and feel about the money that I have in my bank account is going to be completely different than someone who had a different upbringing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like knowing that the way that you and I perceive income and spending and saving and debt, those are all going to be totally different compared to how someone else grew up. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's so easy to kind of just think things are common knowledge or like, yeah, people are all doing the same thing when in reality, that's not the case at all like you said, everyone has a different financial background. I mean, you're right. Upbringing has so much to do with how you view money in general. So like the way your parents talked about money, the income they had different ways of dealing with it. Like, did they invest? Did they not? Were they, you know, a little scared to invest, didn't really trust putting your money into the stock market kind of thing. Like those are things that can stick with you into adulthood and like, you can, you know, kind of have your parents, um, money habits, which I think is really interesting. And also he talked about like experiences, like if you experienced a recession Mm -hmm. versus not experiencing a recession, like there's just so many different things that impact how you view and use your money and save your money and just all of the things. So 
Yeah. I think that's a good one for us to understand because I feel like sometimes we can kind of talk about money and just kind of assume that it's like common knowledge. Everyone should be investing. Everyone should be like, I don't know, doing all the right things when in reality, it's like, no, everyone thinks that their way is the way to do it. Truly. Right. That's why nobody's crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> nobody's crazy because we all have gotten to this point, like through different pathways. And obviously if you're listening to this episode right now, you are seriously so much farther ahead than I think a lot of us realize, like just having these conversations and learning about these topics is so much more advanced than literally the majority of the world. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're even listening right now is like really, really exciting and it's really great and it's good self-development for you, but also nobody's crazy. Like if you mm-hmm. feel the need to save all your money and not invest, cause you're still really worried about whatever, maybe the crash or seeing your parents go through that, or maybe you had a relative, you know, that lost their job during that. And so you feel more attached to saving versus investing. Like that's normal for you, yeah. you know? So I think I can be very matter of fact, like I can be very black or white in the shit that I say. And this chapter was like, okay, shut the fuck up. Like like everyone comes from a different place for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. And it's like the first chapter in the book. So I thought it was a good way to start out. Um, And then we kind of get into some of our other favorites. So I added in luck and risk. And I just thought this one was such a good interesting chapter because it's so true. I love it. Like I love it. not, yeah. Like it's so true and it's hard to like understand this sometimes, but a lot of success is luck, like truly. And one of the quotes, it says, not all success is due to hard work and not all poverty is due to laziness. Keep that in mind when judging people, including yourself. So I don't know. I thought this was a really important chapter because it kind of got into an example about Bill Gates. And like, of course he was successful. He is Mm -hmm. extremely smart, you know, came up with so many great ideas, but (laughs) the one thing was that he went to one of the only high schools in the world that had a computer. So that's luck right there. Like he, you know, had that access and that, you know, enabled him to do what he did. Um, And I think a lot of people don't think about things like that. They just think like, oh, he, you know, did this without any help. Like he didn't have any advantages. Whereas like not many people at that time when he was in high school had computers at all. Like he went to one of the only high schools. It's insane. And everything is circumstantial. Like I, when, when I interned in New York for Unilever, um, I was in like the main HR onboarding like room with all the interns on our first day. And like the head of HR came in the room and he asked everyone, he's like, is there anyone um, here who feels like they're here because they're lucky? Like, you're not really sure how you got here, but you're sitting in the room and you just feel really lucky. And I raised my hand. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only person in the room that raised my hand. What? And he literally pointed me out and was like, you have no idea how far that will take you. And he kind of looked around the room and he's like, so all of you think that you're here and it has nothing to do with luck. You just think you've worked that hard that you're here. And everyone was like, yeah, I I deserve to be here, whatever. And I was just like, I don't feel like I deserve to be here. Like, I feel lucky that I'm here. And it, it was such like a perspective shift because I never realized how like 
powerful it is to realize that luck plays a role in everything. Like the fact that we were born into the families we were born in, into the country we were born in, like everything it is, it's luck. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there are people who are born into a, into a home that has no bank account. None of their friends have a bank account. Like that changes your whole life. You know what I mean? So to think that to think that a billionaire or even just someone who's really successful that you look up to, to think that everything that they have is due to hard work and determination is bullshit. Like it's not. Yeah, it exactly. Like, yeah. And we've mentioned this before, but I, I love on like the, how I built this podcast, like almost every one of those entrepreneurs like oh, says yeah. they're lucky. Like they got lucky. It's a lot of like right place, right time things. Like that's how it works. And it's crazy, but it's so important to know that because you can look at someone and compare yourself, but in reality, they got super lucky or like met someone and it changed their life, you know, right. Like it can oh happen God, so quick. That. Yeah. I love that question when he asked you, cause it's so interesting at the end of that podcast, I'll be like, how much of your success is due to luck and how much is due to hard work. And yeah. you're right. Almost everyone's answer is there was a hundred percent luck in there along the way. Like the, the stories of these crazy, like entrepreneur businesses that blow up, like I met my chemist in the elevator. Like, yes, literally crazy like, stuff. So many random things that just fall into place and yeah, yeah it's 100% luck. So yeah, I think this is a good one just to like keep in the back of your mind, just especially like in comparison. It also talked a lot about like comparing, um, I think there was kind of a section in this chapter about like, um, athletes. Whereas like, if you're a newer athlete, you're making well above a normal human being. But if you're like, right. A, a, I don't know, LeBron or something, you're making an insane amount. And like the gap there is so big. So it's like, you're playing the same game, but you're making so much less. So it's like really mm-hmm. easy to compare. Um, so it kind of talked about comparison a bit, which I think is interesting as well. And I think that kind of brings us into our next point a lot, which is the chapter never enough. Um, this chapter was really just like about greed and its impact. Um, they had an example of the CEO of McKinsey. He went to prison for insider trading and it was like, this shit is of, wild. This story is wild. Insane. I know. Like they kind of gave a background on how he didn't have much as a kid and he really like worked his way up. He, you know, was the CEO of McKinsey and he just didn't know when enough was enough. And like the greed got to him and he just wanted to make money and, you know, went to jail for insider trading. So he wanted to be a billionaire so badly. Like he was really close to being a billionaire and he just made the dumbest decision of his life to hit a certain status point, even though he was like a multi, multi multi-millionaire, like crazy, crazy rich guy. Like, yeah. When you, I mean, I have no idea what happens when you get to that point. Like, I guess maybe, I don't know, being a billionaire is like the next step. But I think one of the, the quotes in this, um, chapter was the hardest financial skill is getting the goalposts to stop moving, which I loved because I feel like that can relate to so many things in life. It's like, even just in your twenties, you always have something next. Like what's next, what can I achieve next? Or like, what's the next step in my life. Whereas they're saying like, once you get the goalpost to stop moving, it's kind of like you can actually enjoy life (laughs) where 
like these people just want what's next. And like the greed just kind of takes over their life, which is really sad. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And I, I put this in because there was actually like, there's a lot of research that backs up the importance of enough, like stopping that goalpost moving. Um, and there's actually, I thought about this the other day and I wanted to text you because I was sitting at my desk and I thought to myself, like, as soon as I hit a hundred thousand dollars a year, I feel like I really don't care if I go any farther. Like I hit this moment mm-hmm. of realization. I was looking at my manager's job and my manager's manager and so on and so on. And thinking like, what is their life? Like, like how much time do they spend working? How much time do they stress? You know, what is their home life? Like, and I started thinking about what I want. It was just like this weird moment of like self-reflection realization. And I was like, I think a hundred thousand dollars sounds great. And I just really want to hit six figures and be a six figure girly. But after that, <laughs> like, girly. <laughs> <laughs> but like after that point, how much more do I really want? Cause it's not about need at that point. No. Um, but anyways, there's actually like a Princeton study that s- studies this stuff. Like when is enough enough? And beyond a certain salary threshold, they, they found 75,000 to 95,000, depending on the specific like country that you look at, you don't actually gain further life satisfaction. So it was like, once you hit 75,000, your emotional well-being is at like a really great peaked point. You don't have a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, and you're actually like really happy and you have good time management, whatever, but then at 95,000, you hit a peak of like self-evaluation and being able to evaluate your life and yourself and, and feel fulfilled. But then beyond 95,000 for a lot of people, you actually start to see it tip. Like you, you, the increase in money does not equate to a better life or feeling more fulfilled or being able to like reach that higher self-purpose. So it's mm-hmm. crazy that like, there are actually a lot of studies on this and we can see that there are like thresholds, you know, just because you make more money doesn't mean you'll be happier or more fulfilled in your life. It actually gets worse at some point. Yeah. I think that's so true because I can fully see like when I first started, I was well below this, this threshold. (laughs) And then when I got my second job, I was in this threshold and I could see a complete shift. Like you're right. There was not a lot of stress or anxiety or like how am I going to pay for things where right. like, in my first job, I was stressed all the time because I was like not saving money. I was stressed because I was like, what am I going to do? You were worried about paying rent. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was paying rent and I was paying for every, my lifestyle in New York city, but I wasn't saving a dime. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the stress and anxiety was coming from. And then, yeah, when you get into this, this range, I think it's so true. Like, I know it just is, it's crazy. The shift like full transparency, you guys, I'm in this range between 75 to 95. And I have never been this happy in my life. Like, seriously, just like you said, it's like when you make a lot less than this, you're anxious and you're stressed because you don't have enough money. But then I also know people that make a lot more than this and they work like crazy. They feel anxious all the time. They don't have as much time outside of work. Like, you can see in your life with people where that tipping point happens. Obviously there are exceptions. Like I know this is so random. My dad doesn't listen to this podcast. Like I know my dad (laughs) makes more than 95 grand a year, but he's like, 
some VP of sales. I think he works like 20 hours a week. Like the life. He, he has the, the life. life. Yeah. He's living the life. I think he's an <laughs> exception to the rule, but I think this is such a good point. And Maddie and I are so like, you and I are just so driven and we always want more. And lately reading this book and also just like thinking about this stuff, I feel mm-hmm. like I need to figure out where enough is. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I think it's just figuring out like what you value and yeah, it's really, I feel like it's a hard thing to do, like understanding what enough is, but I feel like this can also be connected to our minimalism episode because it's like, even with like things, when is enough enough? You know, that's kind of, I just went through the moving process and we got rid of so many things and I'm just like, I don't want all this shit cluttering my life. So I think, I mean, this idea of never enough, I feel like it can be connected to things even outside of money yeah. just for like a better life in general. Yeah. Like this is so random, but I was at the gym this morning and this guy was like, literally sat down in front of the mirror, took a bunch of selfies. And then he picked up the heaviest weights. I'm not kidding. Like 45 or 55 plus Dumbbells? like free weights. Yes. Jesus. On both sides and, and did like a few reps and like set him down. He was like freaking out. Like, and I'm just standing there like enough is enough, man. Like this, <laughs> you are going to injure yourself. Like yeah. he did not look like a professional bodybuilder to me. He looked like some guy who's trying to work out and he's just injure himself. You're literally going to injure yourself. Like it's like people, I feel like we just have a tendency to get obsessive with things you know, like whether yeah, it's and push things to the or, limits, yes, pushing things to the limits. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes we need to be like, all right, fuck, like this where is are we enough going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. I really liked this, um, chapter. Not that I've ever, you know, not that I ever plan on going to prison for insider trading, but I think it's just a good thing to think about in the back of your mind. Like maybe question why you want certain things or like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's a good thing to know. All right. Let's talk about getting wealthy versus staying wealthy. Yes. I think this is definitely a good one. It's like, okay, you're, you're able to get wealthy, but how are you going to stay wealthy? And I think it, I think this also ties into the greed thing and like maybe trying to impress other people a bit. I think a lot of people think that when you get rich, you should be buying like really nice cars and yeah, yes, yeah. like things like that. And just designer clothes and kind of throwing your money away. Whereas I don't know in, in this book, he was kind of like rich people don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you know? really rich people don't drive super crazy cars. Like that's just a realtor. That's not a super mm-hmm. rich person. Like who was yeah. the example in the book? Was it Mike Tyson? Oh yeah. And he like lost all of his money or he didn't lose all his money. He spent all of his money. (laughs) Right. Right. He kind of just like went through in the book, like a simple calculation of how much you bring in versus how much you spend. And Mike Tyson Mm -hmm. was spending like $300,000 a month more than he brought in. Yeah. Right. Right. And And it's like, you can't, it's just back to that conversation of like living above or below your means, you know, and recognizing, are you bringing enough to like keep up this ridiculous lifestyle? And is that lifestyle worth it? Exactly. Is it worth it? And we live in a society where it's like, I don't know, you just want to show your life off, you know, on social media. And I think, I don't know, people can just spend so much money on things that don't matter. And I think society is, 
society is kind of has kind of made those things matter to everyone like 100 really nice cars bags like just ridiculously expensive things that just doesn't make sense to me um but yeah you just get rewarded on social media for having those things you know so I think it's just an interesting thing to think about and this also ties into the other um chapter that is wealth is what you don't see (laughs) um I think these these two chapters go hand in hand because I don't know just because someone has super nice material things doesn't mean they can afford them And like, I think that's just something we need to understand too, because I would always like walk around in New York and people would be carrying these bags. I I always wanted like a designer bag and I would see them. I'm like, how the fuck are these people affording these bags? Because when you really look them up and you see the cost, I'm like, holy shit, they're so expensive. But then you realize like, they're probably fucking fake. Like (laughs) they're definitely fucking fake. They went to Canal Street and paid 50 bucks for a fake Louis. (laughs) So then like at that point, what's the point, you know? And Joe said something to me. Cause I was like, I really want to get a Prada bag. Like maybe I'll treat myself because, you know, I got a new job and like, whatever. I just want to treat myself and give myself, I don't know, a reward. And he was like, he was just so blunt about it. He was like, people are just going to think it's fake. Like, what's the point? I was like, to be completely honest, that's so true. Like (laughs) that's kind of my mentality around buying designer things at this point. Like what's the, literally what's the point? Like I can just get a nice bag. That's not a designer bag, but it's not like from Amazon. I literally had like an Amazon purse. I was like, okay, I can go like a step above this, but I don't need to drop like five grand on a bag, you know? Yeah. No, I know it's, it's crazy. I think it's a life lesson. A lot of us don't understand until you get older, which is unfortunate because obviously growing up and like, you'll have friends that you'll go to their parents' house and it's so like nice, or they'll, they'll dress in like all nice branded clothes and you're wearing like Walmart or target. And you know what I mean? It's Abercrombie, Abercrombie in high school. Right. Like you, this hose in Abercrombie head to toe and you're sitting there like I'm old in my, Navy. Mire, yeah, my, <laughs> my old my Navy, old Navy sweatshirt. Like, but it, I just remember coming home to my parents one day and I was like, I, I know I, I'm not going to say her name cause that's fucked up and savage, but like I had this friend growing up and she always seemed to wear the nicest stuff and she would have the nicest makeup and the nicest products, whatever. And I came home one day and I was just like upset. And my parents were like, why are you upset? I'm like, I just, I just can't like buy these things. Like, I'm sad that, you know, I'm wearing this like ripped sweatshirt or whatever. Like I wasn't homeless, but I certainly wasn't wearing like nice (laughs) branded clothing in school. I never was. And they were kind of like, just because they have it doesn't mean they can afford it. And it never yeah. hit me. And I actually found out later on that they couldn't afford it. And I'm pretty sure like they had a lot of financial issues later on in life. And it just like was such a learning lesson because like you said, you'll see people on the street or you'll see people in these super nice cars and you're kind of like, damn, like, why can't I have that? I feel so inferior, but then it's getting towed like 10 days later because mm-hmm. they can't afford it. And it's, it's just crazy. Like not everything you see is what it actually is. No, 100%. Like I think people feel the need to put on a show for other people. And I think the, when you finally like have that moment in life where you just don't give a shit what other people think about you, I think 
that shifts a lot of things, including this. You could be better with your finances because you're not spending money on stupid shit that like doesn't truly matter, but will maybe have people that you don't care about see you in a different way. I think, I don't know when you have that realization, I think it just changes things, including like you said, like society glamorizes wealth so much and like, yeah, not real wealth, but showy wealth, you know, like if you like, I, oh my God, there's just so many times Caleb and I have gone to like a restaurant in New York and we've been kind of shunned away or we'll have to sit at the bar or we're just not treated as well as some of the other like 35, 45 year olds that kind of walk in. Cause everyone assumes they just like make more money and we can't afford to eat here. And it's so satisfying when we actually order whatever the fuck we want and we can afford it and pay for it and tip well, because it's like, screw you. Like you, yeah, like why, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we all, we've just normalized, like judging people's exterior and assuming how much money they make based off that. And like, but in reality, that's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like in reality, you never fucking know, like you never know how much money people have or if what they're wearing is real. Like it's just crazy. Yeah. You just don't know. So like, and don't compare And that just ties into comparison. Like don't compare yourself to these people because yeah, they probably can afford it to be honest. Like they most likely can't. So yeah, that's just definitely a lesson I've learned from this book and it's kind of stuck with me. Um, but I think one of the biggest ones that we both love, one of the biggest lessons from this book is the freedom episode. (laughs) Like we're both just like, (laughs) we just want to control our time. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really what this episode or this episode, this chapter was about just being able to control your own time. And I think that's also a key lesson in a lot of the books we've read, like simple path to wealth talks about it. Um, so I think, I mean, I love at some point to just own my time fully. Like I don't have to answer to anyone. I am the one who controls it and I am making money, not, I don't know, working for someone else. And I think that's obviously the ultimate goal for everyone. I don't know about everyone, but me, me at least. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a big goal for anyone. It's having the option to leave a shitty situation, having the option to buy a home or move away or do whatever the fuck you want. Take that trip. Like I just get so it's, it's crazy to think how like boxed in you can get when you don't have money. And like you and I have both been in those situations where we've, we couldn't walk away from a job that we absolutely hated. Because we needed the money and we just Mm -hmm. had to stay. We didn't have an emergency fund at the time to just suck into and leave Mm -hmm. our jobs, you know? So it just goes to show like how much power that gives back to you when you have enough to make your own choices. And like, it is so, it is the most liberating feeling. Like, I know I've talked about the organic peppers before on this episode or on this podcast. (laughs) I just used to go to the grocery store in college and I just, I felt so restricted. I felt so self-conscious. I knew I was adding every price up in my head. You know, I was so Mm -hmm. conscious of the cost of everything I was eating and putting into my body. And now it's like the ability to go to Trader Joe's and just grab whatever the fuck you want to eat is so satisfying and better food organic, Yes, higher quality food. It's just fucking crazy how much it will change your life. And it's so sad. Like 
how difficult it is to eat healthy with, without money. It's yeah, so no, fucked up. That is really fucked up. I've just noticed like just in general, if you want to get like organic, like good meat with like no antibiotics, just oh my no shit so in expensive. it. It is so expensive and it like sucks because that's why it's so hard to eat healthy. Like it's right. just really heartbreaking and yeah, this country sucks when it comes yeah. to being healthy because everything that's so bad for you is so cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cheap. It's accessible. It's everywhere. It's, it's so sad. It's really, really sad. So yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, freedom, just the ability to leave a bad situation to start something you want to start on your own, just so many different things. I think that can start with literally just having an emergency fund and being able to leave if you want, you know, I think that's kind of where it starts and then it can kind of snowball from there and you can be in a great financial position to eventually like maybe leave your job and I don't know, explore what life has in store for you outside of the nine to five. Yeah. I follow, um, Elevist obviously on Instagram And they posted the other day, this girl, um, did like a TikTok reel about how she finally saved up enough money to leave a really toxic work environment. And like, she was like dancing and all excited. And I'm like, that is the best feeling Mm -hmm. like to feel, to feel trapped, but then finally be able to get to a place where you have the opportunity to do what you need to do and to leave. It's Mm -hmm. just like the absolute best feeling. It really is. Wow. Okay. We have one more chapter that we highlighted and it was the chapter on, was this a chapter financial pessimism versus financial optimism? Yeah. I don't don't know if the chapter was titled that, but that was like the topic of the chapter. So it essentially Mm -hmm. was like, it's easier for people to be pessimistic about the economy and money. So a lot of the times, like if you are into hearing financial news, it's usually negative and like very intense and harsh. It's rarely like super positive and exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously progress happens really slowly and sometimes it's hard for us to notice, but then setbacks happen really quickly and we don't want to ignore them. So obviously this like ties in a lot with saving and investing. And sometimes you can hear like this crazy news that we might go into a recession and you want to just pull all your money out of your investment accounts. Or maybe you, you feel the need to stay at your job longer because you're worried about leaving and potentially having issues with a new job, whatever it may be. So I just thought that was helpful to kind of like understand the back of your mind, there's always going to be more like financial pessimism out there than optimism and to just kind of stay level-headed and try not to, you know, panic or anything. Yeah. Don't sell it all. Don't pull all your money. Oh my God. Just let it it sit. (laughs) Leave it alone. Yeah. I think that's a good tip. Just kind of block things out. Honestly, like if you know your strategy, then just kind of, I mean, there's really no reason to stay on top of everything. If you're just investing your money and letting it grow and sit forever, like don't Mm -hmm. let it stress you out because the market's always going to go up eventually, you know? Yeah. There's very, very few successful day traders. So I doubt there's any listening to this podcast, but (laughs) you know, yeah. Like you said, if, if your strategy is to invest money over time and let it grow, let it grow. Don't touch it. You know, things will get worse. Things will get better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So to wrap this episode up, this is a great book. How are we practicing this in our own lives? And I guess, are we practicing this in our own lives? (laughs) I like, I love that. I wrote, are we LOL? (laughs) 
we've been having so many conversations <laughs> lately about how we have like we cannot control our spending. So I don't know if anyone's in the same boat right now, but like we yeah. need to get our shit together. I, I have lost control. I looked at Caleb the other day. I said, I am, be- I'm living above my means. Like take fully. my credit cards away, please. I was <laughs> dying. I mean, I was laughing so hard. Thankfully, like I'm not, I'm not out of cash. I'm not like broke, but yes, I'm 100% living above my need, my means. I need to figure my life out. Like mm-hmm. it's summer, it's warm there are, it's wedding season. Like there are just things going on that are sucking money out of me. And I need Mm -hmm. to turn the faucet off. Like I need, (laughs) I need to control myself. Yeah. I feel you. I've been, I've been spending a lot lately too. Also just moved like, you know, getting, getting all that. Yeah. It's a lot, but I think in terms of this book, I think after reading this, I feel like it changed the way I think about money. 100%. Like I definitely sometimes still need a reminder to save more and like control myself a bit. But in general, I think it's really, really shaped my mindset, which I think has changed, you know, so much like yeah, in it's the, the first step past like. few years. Yeah. Which is the first step. And I think in the, in a few key ways, it's changed. I think the having enough chapter changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that just really, I don't know. I just need to understand like when enough is enough. And I think I kind of have realized that and understood like what I value and, you know, when enough is enough and things I don't need to buy and just kind of adopting a little bit more of a minimalistic lifestyle. I also liked the chapter of, you know, the importance of freedom and owning your time. And then especially the one on wealth is what you don't see, just kind of giving me that advice in the back of my head when I want to buy things. And like when I see people and it's not like I'm judging people, it's just like me not comparing myself to them kind of thing, you know? So I think those are the key ways it's really changed my mindset. Yeah. I think it's for me, this book was really like, it felt like it was affirming a lot of what I had already felt. I'd felt kind of like weird living my life thinking I'm so lucky because so many people around me were like, you're not lucky. You worked hard. And it's like, no, I feel like, I feel like I didn't just pretty lucky. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like that's so narcissistic of you to feel like everything you do is where you've gotten today, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's impossible. So I love, I love this book. I think it's so important in shifting your mindset. And like, if you're ready to kind of take that step and really kind of get your shit together or maybe just learn more about what we're talking about. I think this is a really easy read. It's not super technical. Yeah. It's quick. You're it's something you could read on the beach. Like you don't need to like take notes or anything. I just thought it was really digestible and, and a good way to like set your direction. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely check it out guys. And we'll link it in the show notes and we'll be back soon with another episode. And that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want to stay up to date on everything for the Cool Girls Only podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Cool Girls Only Podcast. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletter at coolgirlnews.com. All of our information is linked in the show notes. We would also love to hear any topics you're interested in or any guests that you think would be a good fit for the show. Feel free to send us a DM on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time, cool girls.